Hi, welcome to this week's edition of Blues Talk. We have a slightly different format this week. John and Jason have fallen out significantly over their appearance fee and are now refusing to appear at the same time. So I'm recording with John now and I'll be recording with Jason later and then I'll have to edit together. So if there's a little bit of repetition, we apologise. But look at it this way, you get twice as much me. So, you know, make of that what you will, dear viewer. Anyway, so Leinster started off uh, the, the weekend's uh, uh, URC action with a... Uh, bonus point away victory to to Scarlets. Um, bonus point victories are always good. Away victories are always good, and this was the best of both worlds. Yeah, um, I I kind of had a bit of a funny feeling about the team when I saw it, and you know, uh, I, I know the Scarlets are absolute muck this season, but uh, I thought you know uh, their back row looked decent on paper. Their their outside backs looked very decent on paper, and ours were especially callow. I did think we might have too much of them in the pack, but uh, we had too much of them pretty much everywhere by the looks of it. Um, so, yeah, I, job done there. Box ticked. Seven wins from seven. The only two we didn't get bonus points on were away interpose in the pits and rain. I would consider that pretty much a perfect start to the season. Um, you know, very, very happy. Fantastic result. Um, and like, I, there was obviously a few um, experienced lads thrown into the mix, but there was also, I think, three debutants. Um, and even still, like, would have still, you know, there was some callow fellas that had got a few caps for us as well. So it was, it was just great that the, 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 the train keeps uh, trucking on. And um, amazing that they just can manage to get a, you know, a 30-point victory over in in, uh, in Wales with a pretty much a, a mixture between seconds and thirds. I, I, I know people kind of worried when the, the two teams are picked and Scarlet seemed to have a lot more experience, particularly in the backs. But I thought, whatever about our front three, I thought our back five, uh, yeah. you know, uh, our locks and back row would be dominant. And that's how it, it turned out. I thought our front row did well. There's been some criticism of Clarkson. I don't really, I'm not really sure where I came from. I thought he did really, really well. Um, McKee, as he has done in every appearance, has impressed. Um, so much so that Bernard Jackman wants to move to Munster forward. Yeah, the, the <laughs> ultimate seal of approval. Um, if you're decent, then they, they must want you, must be decent if they want you to move to Munster. But I thought, I, I thought he played really well. He hit his darts, he showed some serious gas for Rob Russell's try. No, it's again, it's just you know, we were kind of concerned that maybe a couple of seasons ago thinking Sean Cronin's on the gonna is coming towards the end of his career. Um, Tracy, good player, but some you know, sort of a solid player, but nothing, not going to be a standout international player. And we were kind of wondering what, what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, we have three really, really exceptional hookers. And I'm sure there's a few more that we, we don't know about. Yeah, he's, he's a cracking player. I mean, he has the unfortunate, we discussed this last week, so I won't go too deep into it, but he is the unfortunate. Uh, thing of being born within the same year of Kelleher and Sheehan uh, and a few others besides. So he's he's a fabulous player, though. You know, he really is. Uh, and I hope he does get a few breaks. But Kelleher's injured, and even if he wasn't, he'd be out, he'd be gone for the AIs and the Six Nations, and you know, and so will Sheehan. So there, while there are not that many games during the these, there's none in the AIs and only on the break weekends in the Six Nations. Even so, I think with rotation and player resting and all that. So I think they get enough bites at the cherry, especially with um, James Tracy injured. 
Uh, and hopefully when James Tracy comes back, and not hopefully, but uh, for McKee's point of view, hopefully he'll uh, he'll surpass James Tracy, and you know. You know, it's it's a it's a it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an it's an it's an enviable position to be in where you know you you got your first two hookers are you know Sheehan and Keller and then you've got uh, McKee who's playing really really well and then you've also got coming back from injury James Tracy who's an, let's let's not forget an Ireland international yeah so you know it's it, it it's a great position of strength to be in um one guy I was I mean I was impressed with a lot of guys um Reese Rudder I'm always impressed for he's just so quietly efficient he just goes around his about his business. He's, he's always at least a seven out of 10. I mean, he's just, uh, he just never really gives up, does he? You know, and it must be, it must be very difficult to keep, keep getting yourself motivated knowing that, you know, like I remember he played against the All Blacks in that narrow defeat in 2013, you know, so that's nearly a decade ago. And his role within the club is kind of obviously changing now. He's a leader of the seconds team. And, but the likelihood is particularly, you know, when you have the, the, um, the amount of really good back row, I'm not saying he's not a really good back rower, but pretty much the Irish back row starting ahead of him, it must be very, very difficult. It was the mark of the man, the mark of his um, professionalism that he continues to put in barnstorming performances. And as we saw in that, semi-final was it a couple of years ago against La Rochelle like you know um, he, he's a man for a big occasion too and when we need him yeah I, I, I still think his loss in that semi-final his, his, his injury was a, was yeah. significant a um, big turning point I thought yeah, yeah I, I was really so impressed well. with Max Deegan and uh, Kieran Reid was in the Leinster camp this week That's and right. Max Deegan was talking about the effect or the influence Kieran Reid had on him and talking to him about you know not about playing transitioning his game to a tighter game and you could see that against Scarlets. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. He's uh Deegan's always been a cracking player. He's just he's been unlucky with injury and unlucky with having Caelan Doris and Jack Conan in the same team as him. Like it's <laughs> a bit like McKee. Where do you you know both Ireland uh, international players at eight, which is Deegan's best position unquestionably. So you know, it's the fact that he stayed around and uh, is prepared to give them a lash for their money. Like he, he first came to people's notice in the the, the famous team that um, with Andrew Porter and all the under twenty yep. team that beat New Zealand for the first time. Uh, so he, you know, ever since then, first he's time been, for a men's team, John. Sorry, well, for a men's first time for under twenties, uh, but yeah. He he's been uh, he's been impressing impressive since then, but you know, for that's how many years ago? Six years ago? Yeah. And he hasn't had so like he's played well when he's been around, but he's just been injuries at the wrong time, and you know he's found himself, and you don't have to slip up much to find yourself behind Doris and and Goldman, you know. It's, um, uh, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that team. Another member of that team has made the headlines this week in that. Uh, Vaktang Ab Abdeladze has oh, been yeah. called up to the Georgian squad. Yeah. An interesting one. Uh, my initial reaction was uh, he's uh, he's not going to get his Leinster contract renewed because, uh, you know, he's non-Irish qualified. Uh, but I think a few people have pointed out now that this is kind of done on a case-by-case -case basis these days. And, you know, Ulster have actually just slipped up to four players, I think, uh, with Sutherland. 
being um, being added. So, you know, it's it it may not have an an impact. Uh, yeah, the great thing about I mean the the biggest mistake I mean everybody remembers the <coughs> national squad succession strategy document, and the big mistake was that the IRFU actually put that down on paper, and they ha it's not a mistake they've made since. You know the IRFU have guidelines. The provinces know what they are. The coaches know what they are. But as long as they're not written down, they can change them in the <laughs> in the morning. So it'll be interesting to see how it how it works out for him. You'd nor you'd think that. He'd be his 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 contractual status would certainly be vulnerable as an NIQ, um, but you know um, I, I I always remember what Cheka used to say. Cheka was always delighted when any of their players played international rugby, because it was a great uh, sign of what the club were doing. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I mean, another guy who kind of got an international call up is a guy who's been uh, uh, perhaps. The player of the season for us so far, and maybe unexpectedly because after his time in Munster, which didn't go well for him because of injuries, and that's Jason Jenkins, who was called up to the Springbok squad for the Autumn International Tour. Yeah, um, he was excellent again on on Friday night. He was again one of our be best performers, and he's been, as I say, he's probably been our player of the season so far because he's played nearly every minute of every game. He's um, he is putting in some great performances, and as you say, got a call up to the, to the Springbok squad. Um, which was announced, but he didn't make it into their 23. But like it, show, it shows, it goes to show you that um, with the amount of South African beef available to to, to um, the coaches that he's he's considered in, in the say, you know, in that bracket. So you got to say it's a, it's a great signing by Leinster and one that um, you know I think it's somebody that we needed. We saw the result. We saw. We certainly saw the way, um, you know. Obviously, Toner's gone this season, so we needed we needed a big uh, lump lump of, of meat to um, to replace him, and we certainly have one. It's been a revelation, you know. Immediately he was announced, everybody was oh, Munster sloppy seconds. We don't want, you know, didn't look at the player at all. We just looked at the fact that he came from Munster and therefore must be shy. Uh, so. I'm so glad that he's, uh, you know, it was injury that was curtailing him uh, rather than anything else. And um, he's, uh, yeah, he's a cracking player. I hope he uh, goes on to have to play as well for the rest of the season. I'd say the reason he's in the squad, A, he's filled it out because of a game against uh, Munster in Tom or in Parky Cueve. Uh, and B, just, you know, to, to to maybe get a bit of, I know he doesn't know anything about Ireland training, but, you know, maybe get a bit of personality stuff from both Munster and Leinster camps uh, leading up to, well, we'll get on to that one later. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see him, good to see him uh, get recognised for his, uh, his great season start. Also, the fact that because South Africa are now in the URC, it's a real shock window for, for the South African coaches, because they're going to be watching all the games. So if you're playing for any URC team, your your uh, national coaches are going to be having a look. You know, because yeah, it, it, it really is. A, it's a heightened heightened exposure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were there were other games in the URC this week, um, and, and a, an unprecedented number of high, uh, a, a, an unprecedented high number of away wins this this week. Five. Mm. Which is apparently a a, 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 a a round record. I suppose the the, the big kind of game we want to talk about would be the interpro between Munster and Ulster. Ulster's first win in Tolan Park since twenty fourteen. I mean, 
the monster machine just keeps moving on, doesn't it? Like two from <laughs> seven now. Um, but it's good to see some green shoots because this is what I've been listening to all week and for the last few weeks that they were improving. But um, want green shoots in winter. But like, I, I just I, well, I, as you say, Mun- uh, Munster were under enormous pressure from the the Ulster line out, and then presumably at half time they had a little regroup and uh, they managed to to um, sort themselves out there. But it was interesting to see um, how how their out half uh, went, and I thought he had a pretty good game. Actually. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought one of the reasons why they came back in that second half was he kind of took control of the game. Yeah, he did. And like he, you know, at the end of the day, he missed a conversion that hit the post. And if he had got it, they would have won. In fairness, they missed all their kicks. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the fact that Crowley missed a kick, which was a really, really tough kick, in fairness, to win the game potentially. Well, it wasn't quite game winning because it was a while to go, but. Uh, it was certainly towards the end of the match, and if he'd have kicked it, you might have fancied Munster to just to hold it out in Thelman Park, but he didn't, and uh, it's certainly not his fault they lost because he pretty played pretty well. I think they're under severe pressure, maybe for qualified for Europe, and that's they, going well, to be... they really are because I was looking at the th- what are they third from bottom, second from bottom, um, I think yeah. second from bottom or third from bottom, um, and of the teams that are in the top eight. Five of them still have games in hand over Munster. Some of them have two games in hand over Munster. And Munster have to go to South Africa. They have to play Leinster. Towards the end. Huh? Yeah. Towards the yeah. end of the season. Yeah. But they still have to they have to make that tour, which is a difficult tour. Um, they have to go, they still have Leinster to come down at Christmas. That could go either way. Um, because they as they always say, those games live in a little bubble, and they still have to go to Ulster. Um, mm-hmm. so I mean, they're rapidly running out of breeding space. Glasgow and Ulster's games in hand are both away in South Africa, so they are. But Ulster, Munster have to go to South Africa twice as well. That's true. That's true. Um, which in is fact, we, there's four. Uh, there's four. There's four teams in a row on the table. I think when I looked, who are uh, I think it's 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, and they are the teams. They are sorry. They are previous champs. There's the Ospreys, Connacht, Munster, and the Scarlets. Yeah, twelve through fifteen Mind inclusive. Up. All lined up at the bottom. The only people yeah. below them is Zebra. Now, how often do you see that previous champs uh, propping up the table? Uh, a, a host of them. So, yeah, competitive out of league all of a sudden. It is, yeah, yeah. It, 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 and it's it's really kind of, I mean, we were talking about, you know, what the league needed was Jeopardy, and it's got that. And like I mentioned last week, about things we've discussed over the years about how the best thing for, you know, convincing people the value of the league is if one of the really big teams doesn't qualify for the the Heineken Cup or the Champions Cup and you know Munster are in real danger of being that team because you know it could they could get to a situation where they fight and fight and fight and fight and get up to eighth and still don't make it still don't make it yeah so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out Connacht got a great away win in Ospreys mm. say the Ospreys are sickened over that I didn't see the game there but uh, I, you know I don't think the Ospreys are expecting to lose that to be fair oh I don't think so I think I think that was a game they kind of Thought might be might be one that would lift them up a bit, and instead they, they've ended up, you know, dropping down. I thought I was, I was watching that game, and it looked like they could they were on a bit of another typical Connacht performance in Wales, where you know you don't really know what way it's going to go, but there's a good chance they could end up getting walloped, and then they might come back, but they always fall at the last hurdle, 
So I was actually delighted to see that they managed to pull a result out of the, the bag and um, showed a lot of resilience. But the yeah, Welsh no, teams are, are, are really, um, well, some of the Welsh teams, I should say, are really, really struggling for uh, for points this season. Like there's, I haven't, I can't remember the way it lies in the table, but certainly they are, they are, um, they're in the bottom eight anyway. Yeah, so that's 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 kind of the end of our, our, our URC roundup. So we're going to switch tack quickly to international rugby, but not quite. We're going to start off with an unusual fixture in, um, in the kind of the calendar, uh, Ireland A playing an, a team that has variously been described as New Zealand A, the New Zealand 15, and now apparently it's an All Blacks New Zealand development 15. And well, so whatever, it's, it is. whatever it is, it'll be good. Did you ever think that you would see Ireland? Okay, firstly, for, uh, we'll, we'll get onto this later, but they're, they're still top seeds uh, in, the, in the world currently. Uh, but also, sending out 46 players against New Zealand and South Africa in the same 24 hours. Yeah. Do everything that was going to happen in your life. Like, now, the Eddie O'Sullivan's special <laughs> theme that he had in 2007, yeah. where no one else was getting a look in. Go back to having one tight head prop. Go back to Tom Court in 2010. Go back to Raj taking over from Dave um, what's Humphreys and Sexton taking over from Raj, having no one else as an out half. Uh, now we've got 46 players who've got, who are going to take on these two uh, behemoths. But exactly. And, uh, you know, that that's incredible for a start. Also, added to that uh, emerging Ireland tour of South Africa, it's, you know, it's really, uh, I think, canny play from the... the the IRFU in their scheduling of matches, and also the, even the Munster one against South Africa, A, B, 12, whatever it's called. Um, the, all of these games are just, uh, they're great in the World Cup year, you know, we're only 10 they months all, from the kickoff uh, of the World Cup now, you know. It's actually kind of, because one thing I was worried about was how the determination not to play United URC games during the international windows would affect player development. You know, guys on the fringes of teams would suddenly stop getting games. <clears throat> but all these kind of A games and, and challenge games, I mean, even Leinster against Chile for whatever that. Now, I, I, don't, I don't like playing those challenge games because I think there's a level of risk involved. Injury That's risk. just not worth it. Um, I'm always, I'm all, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I always think about Rua Tapoki in that game against the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a major damage to, to Munster's uh, Heineken Cup hopes that year. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's getting the guys game. I mean, you, you could drop a bottle of ketchup on your foot in the shower kind of thing, you know? Um, yep. So I, I suppose uh, any kind of exposure is good. Not everyone else, uh, Dave, takes ketchup into the shower. That's just you. <laughs> Take two bottles into the shower? <laughs> no, I just eat a burger. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm really looking forward to the game, actually, and it's in the RDS. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we, I presume you're on the terrace. I'm in my usual spot. I'm I'm not too far from my usual spot either. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm just it could be uh, a very exciting game. Just to finish up on the A side, it's been a great reward for some of those guys who went with that Emerging Ireland tour. People like I mean, the Ar- Emerging Ireland tour went from being the the unwanted smelly grandchild of, of Irish rugby, 
And you look at the guys who, who like Jamie Osborne, Keen Prendergast, Jack Crowley, uh, Craig K, like guys who went on that tour have come and now playing representative rugby for a, se- a more senior team. It turns out to have been a huge success. Yeah, I, I, I always thought it was going to be a, a success because I still think that when you're in the, in the national team environment and you're training yeah. with those coaches, that you have to up, you're in. Yeah, but you, you have to up your, your game, you have to up your standards, you're, you, 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 you're, you're nearly there, do you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're, you're only a couple of injuries away from being, so you are on your game. We're talking about pressure and people performing under pressure. Like I'm sure that when you when you are under the scrutiny of the national coaches, it's probably a lot harder than it would be working. You know, when you're holding bags for the um, you know for your club, where you're not really you, like like say for example Jamie Osborne. All things being equal, he isn't getting on. He isn't getting into the first. Uh, He's not getting into the starting Leinster team in a big game with, with all of the main men there, right? So he's holding bags at training. He's not really involved. He's not running the show. So he's just a, really a bystander. So basically, like, he's not getting an opportunity to impress anybody. Whereas if he's training with the, uh, with the um, Emerging Ireland team, they're going to be picking him at the weekend. You know, they're going to pick him for a tour. So he's going to get an opportunity to rotate in, rotate out. But really, like you've got you've got three centres ahead of him in Leinster. You got the two the two guys that are there from from um, that are in the national side, and then you've got the foreign import from New Zealand that presumably they're paying quite a few bucks for. So you know what I mean. This not not just that. I mean, he as well as working with the Irish coaching group, which is a phrase I'm going to come back to. it gives him a chance to show what he can do at, at a higher level and impress his Leinster coaches. And they might say, well, maybe, okay, we're playing so-and-so in the Heineken Cup this weekend. It's not a top game. Maybe we can give Robbie Henshaw an extra week's rest. And we co- we're confident of bringing Jamie Osborne in. And he makes that next step again. Yeah. yeah and that's, definitely. It, it's all about visibility. But you got to earn your spurs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, and you've, you probably leapfrogged a few of those rungs in the ladder on his by by getting on that tour from a Leinster point of view now he's probably seen as hey this guy is actually on the fringe of you know he's in the Ireland A squad Uh, you know that's again let's say Ringrose pulled up lame at the weekend you know there's a very good chance Jamie Osborne could be subbed up yeah yeah and that's and that, and that's that's as I say, it's all about the visibility. Um, yeah. Anyway, the following. But night, just what you can yeah. I just say yeah. one, one other thing? You you I, you just mentioned or maybe it was John yesterday. I didn't see or I didn't hear what John said, but maybe um, he might have alluded to it. Like you were talking about having a Friday nights and then a Saturday night and a big big games, but it reminded me back of maybe twenty odd years ago. Where uh, there was the during the Six Nations, you had the A internationals on the Friday nights, and then you had the obviously the big game on on the Saturday, and it, I just thought it was a, a fantastic way to to warm up your weekend. Like I remember I going those over, games. oh they're great, and I remember going away to over to to um, to Murrayfield a couple of times and going to the A game the night before, and 
he really felt that this was a festival of rugby. Nowadays, with the under 20s, don't really get the same, you know, even though they've got the women's game on and they've got the, but they're in different, you know, the under 20s, in I think. Different cities are, at different times. They're in different cities, yeah. And, um, you know, but I just I just kind of felt like when I remember going to as in Edinburgh and having the two games, one the Friday, one the Saturday, it was like sort of the Heineken Cup final where you have the Challenge Cup on the, the night before. You just feel it's like this big festival of rugby. And that's, I guess, what the kind of this weekend is going to be like. It's going to be, um, it's going to be savage actually having those two games in, uh, <laughs> Uh, in close, exactly. you know, two days apart, yeah. Onto the, onto the main course. Um, biggest game of the weekend, world champions against world yeah. number ones. Without a doubt. This, somebody said to me today when they saw the team, they said, oh, South Africa are uh, are not doing any testing out to see what players are going to play. Where are they? And I said, no, they certainly aren't because they're coming up to our backyard. Okay, we're number one in the world, right? Let's get this out of the way for a start, right? 90% of people, whether they know about rugby or not, who, who if you mention that Ireland are number one in the world, what's, what are they going to say? They're going to say, well, we're number one in the world going into the last World Cup. Didn't do us any bloody good, did it? Uh, yeah, we were number one for about 38 seconds. Uh, and that was the end of that. Uh, obviously, we, we lost at the minute we played uh, Japan. But and uh, people always say this is ridiculous like it's only it doesn't really matter it's just these rankings are stupid and well yes in a, in a way you're correct they are stupid but they're important as well like here's the, the world champions the world number one as you just said and they're coming together they're coming to our backyard if they beat us in our backyard 10 months out from the world cup where they have to play us um that's a huge significant it's, it's a it's, thing yeah. they're not they're not going to be experimenting anything they're coming to they're coming to do the business here there's a lot of stuff uh, there's a lot of stuff going on around the game as well i mean razi erasmus is back in charge he said things about ireland in the past that weren't exactly complimentary uh, mm. he said irish players were soft south africa got a bit of a tonking the last time they were here um yeah. now there was a couple of legs put, put a gloss on it but we still gave them a we still beat them well um, and they haven't won here in a long time. They have a bad record in the Aviva Stadium. In, in yeah, I, I was watching against the head the other night and Darren Cave was on it and he mentioned, um, I think it took, I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but I think he said something like it took 16 goes against South Africa for us to win a game. And then I think, I think we've won six of the last eight. It's yeah. something like that. Um, um, yeah, which I think is. The only two games we, I think the only two games we've lost since that game, uh, when South Africa won't wore their special um, centenary kit or whatever it was, were the two other tests in South Africa, where we won the first test and lost yeah. the other two. I think they're the only two they've won in the last eight of those eight games. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like even going back to remember when O'Gara took the sneaky little tap yeah. and go, and maybe that might be twenty years ago, maybe, but. Like, um, you know, like this was a team that you, we didn't see very well. Certainly I didn't see very often growing up because mm. of obviously apartheid. And it wasn't really till they were brought back into the, in the maybe mid mid nineties, early nineties. 92, was it? Um, so they were kind of like this. And then we only saw them a handful of times. They, they, they didn't tour or the tours weren't as frequent as they are now. But yeah, I just... Um, 
like we have nothing to fear against them anymore. Yeah. And particularly, like I think for years we were terrified of playing France because we only got to play a French uh, team once every year and every second year was in the Parc de France and we always got 40 points put on us but all of a sudden like the the Heineken Cup came into existence and we kind of saw well they're human after all and they're well some of them are some of the players are brilliant they're very easily not very easy but they are only human at the end of the day and can be beaten and we you know we saw that from you know Leinster's first match first win in France and then all of a sudden we're you know a few years after that we're, we're winning and we're winning Europe and likewise um you know when we're playing the South African teams in the URC yes of course they're very very difficult games and you know they are some they've got some brilliant players and but like they're not these all conquering invincible men and I just uh I, just I, I think we have a very good I can actually remember the the moment when I realised that they were human. Um, it was a game, I think it might have been 2004, 2005, we played them in the Aviva Stadium. And Pierre Spies was the star of Super Rugby that year. A huge monster of a man. And they had a scrum maybe 10 metres out. And he came off the back of the scrum. And Dennis Leamy hit him. And Dennis Leamy cut him in two. Absolutely destroyed him. And I that's when I realised that you know, okay, they're, they're great physical specimens and they're South Africa. There's an air of mystique about them. But, you know, we were capable of pushing out a few fairly decent players ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that you can almost hear that the, the mystique not been shattered, but realising that we were we were able to compete with them and we were able to take them on. And we actually beat them quite well that day. Yeah. Um, but was one thing the, they... Was, was that the day that they, the, their coach said that maybe Paul O'Connell might make the bench? Or was it a yes, risk? it was, was before one? that match, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it said that maybe I can't. Yeah, but um, one thing they still do have is a massive, massively powerful pack. Yes, and the question on everyone's lips is how do we take on this massively powerful pack? And my question is, why would we want to take on that massively powerful? Well, that's pack? what I want to see. I want to see uh, an answer to this question that both Leinster and Ireland have had of uh, you know big teams, the France in Six Nations. Our only loss in the Six Nations. Uh, I still Rochelle. say if Johnny Sexton was playing that day, we would have won. Uh, possibly. La Rochelle and uh, uh, Saracens uh, for Leinster, same thing. Big bodies coming in, knocking the bollocks out of us. And we, we, we don't seem to have an answer. So I, I'm hoping we do have an answer and that, you know, that answer is uh, successful on Saturday. Um, you don't want to show too much of it, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, want to come up with another answer by uh, World Cup time, but uh, yeah, I, I my, just... my view of the Saracens and La Rochelle game hasn't changed since it was that we were that our mistake was att- attempting to engage and negate the power game instead of refusing to engage with it at all and just making shit of it. Well, that might be the uh, the, the answer we'll we'll see on Saturday. I'll be very disappointed if any scrum completes with less than three resets. Yeah, well, have our props got the nose for that? Like they're not old wily props. They're they're well, I suppose they are in a the way. They're, they're yeah, they are now. They're all beyond their years in terms of experience. Yeah. Uh, but they're not like thirty-three year old props or you know thirty. No, but the other side of that is they're not thirty-three year old props. I know, I know. <laughs> they're uh, they're much more mobile than thirty-three year old. Absolutely, props. like I'm. 
I, I can I always just think of back to when I was playing and where we we we'd end up playing against UCD and UCD could not compete because they were a bunch of college students and they basically couldn't compete against a bunch of grizzly old beer drinking men and but what they did was they just kept the ball away from the beer guzzling fat old men and ran it and used their width that the width of the pitch and the speed of their players and you know more times than not they were able to counteract but once they got into any sort of uh, scrum or mall you know I'm they were so. goosed yeah they were goosed but just keep the ball away from them and like that's it's 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 kind of smart rugby 101 no that's not to suggest though that south africa only have big men um we were talking earlier about uh chesley yeah. colby who is um, we've, they've got Mapimbi on the wing. They have flyers on the wings and they've really good centers as well. I mean, obviously, Luciano Am isn't playing, which is a bit of a disappointment because you'd love to see him play. He's a wonderful player. But they still have really, really good players. They've uh, DDA and they've got Jesse Creel. They're, 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 they're a better team than the way they often play uh, is demonstrates. Hmm. But we have to come up with a way to... And I think that, funnily enough, I think that the way that Farrell, that the coaching group, and I, I, I mentioned that earlier, Andy Farrell has been referring to the coaching group all week. And I think he's trying to set a separate kind of perception of how he runs the Irish squad to say Joe Schmidt or uh, other coaches who are, you know, I'm at the top and everyone else is below. And he's talking about a more collegiate approach. And you saw mm. that the way he sent the guys out to South Africa with, with Simon Easter being in charge. So I think yeah. it was just something, a phrase he used quite regularly that interested me. Um, but I think, He's obviously I think very it, comfortable in his own skin and, you know, in his own position that he's able to do that because you do see or you do feel that there's a lot of paranoia in, in from coaches that yeah. they're always continually afraid of whether the guy behind them is going to take their, their job. You know, and like you saw would say Leo Cullen wasn't afraid to get advice from Graham Henry initially. And then maybe a season later, obviously he, he brings in Lancaster that most people would think, you know, most people would possibly have thought that, well, Leo didn't invite him in. McDawson invited Lancaster in and Leo is, uh, you know, getting ready for the guillotine, but clearly not. And, you know, there's, a, there's, it's not, it's, it's quite an unusual character trait of, um, of coaches to, to be sort of egoless, let's say, egoless and, and modest, that, and yeah. uh, trusting of their, of their uh, ancillary coaches. Whereas, certainly, um, you know, it seems like Farrell is very uh, comfortable giving the, the reins of, of uh, over to the other guys and let them do their job. You know, and not be worrying about who's going to stab me in the back first. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's trying to instill team spirit within the team, within the playing mm -hmm. staff, by doing that with the coaching staff, it, he's, it, it shows that he's leading by example. Yeah. That we're all in this together. And of course, Andy Farrell, I mean, we saw uh, was it last week he was inducted into the Rugby League Hall of Fame. He is one of the greatest rugby players I've ever seen. He's up there with John mm -hmm. Eels and Brian O'Driscoll and a couple of others as one as as uh, Joey Johns as truly great rugby players um yeah. so it, it, in 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 a show as your medals competition he doesn't he doesn't have to worry too much um, no. but the the team that looks like it's going to be picked from what we can see from the A team 
unless they're playing a, a massive black ops operation. Um, <laughs> won't differ all that much from the uh, from the team that played against the All Blacks, but in, in a couple of key positions. I mean, it looks like it's going to be Balakoon on the wing. Mm-hmm. It looks like Gibson Park is fit. But you you would you'd we'd have to sort of put a big question mark about whether how how are say how's Hugo Keane and how's uh, Van der Gibson Flair. Park Van der, well particularly the two the first two that I said who haven't played all season yeah how how are they like to throw them in to a test match against the world champions as their first game of the season is a very big ask and you know. Uh, we all know they have the talent, obviously, to 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 excel at that level. But like most people, I'm sure it takes a period of time to get up to speed immediately yeah. for them. And uh, I, I hope I I think it might be a bit of a gamble, and I hope but I hope it pays off. Anyway, um, there's, there's, it, it, it's it's something to really look forward to. And South Africa made an interesting choice with Cheslin Colby at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Huh? Hope he likes the rain and inspired uh, choice um, or or weakness a risk. Well, look, they've got back three. All their back three are uh, guys who can run like the wind and mm. beat you in a phone box. Uh, so we're going to be ready for that. Um, they're all not pretty good on the high ball as well, but if your chase is good enough and you can reach them before they catch the ball, and your kicks are high enough. Yeah, I can see them being uh, being being prone to our bomb squad, given the right circumstances. But they're just as prone to catching the ball and running the whole length of the field in between. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, if if we kick Lucy to Cheslin Colby at fullback with the entire pitch in front of him and full view of it, he oh. is going to destroy us. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, so yeah, interesting times. Uh, what's your prediction, Jay? Well, um, I think. As you, as you kind of alluded to, we we just got to play a smart game of rugby. If we start getting into an arm wrestle with them, yeah. like we saw during the Lions tour last year, that South Africa can drag you down, no matter who you are. They they can drag you down to an awful, dull, kicking, competing, attritional kind of game. And like that's not the type of game that we saw. We saw almost total rugby when we were playing the All Blacks down in, in uh, New Zealand um, in those particularly in those the last two tests you know where we were we, we showed where we wanted to use the ball positively and if we but if we get dragged down into their level and want to arm wrestle with them we're goosed yeah. so we got to show the same um, we've got to take risks and we've got to we've got to just pretty much go first like we just got to go and take take as many risks as possible and um so like i think it's i think it's going to be tight but it all comes down to what sort of ball is produced by the forwards yeah it's going to be it's going to be a really really interesting game i'm really looking forward to it anyway that's all sorry i'm sorry i was just going to say but like just trying to use more you know like what we saw with the try that um you know that we created was it again was against was it against last season in the Aviva the line out was it I can't remember who was sorry but um oh with the inside ball yeah like we yeah. just got to use more imaginative stuff rather than just thrown to four and try to maul it like we're gonna go up against a brick wall you know you have yeah. to use your brain 
rather than you. And, and, and the thing is, we have forwards who are super footballers. That's the thing. Even the biggest guys like Porter and Furlong are great footballers with great feet. Sheehan is brilliant. Like he always takes contact on his terms. And that's mm-hmm. what we've got to do. We've just got to remember those guys just, and, and I'm sure the coaches, I don't have to tell them anything. Just have to remember what good footballers they are and be confident that that's going to be enough. Yep, absolutely. That's all we have time for this week, Jay. Um, thanks very much. And hopefully now um, we're, we're all going to the WRC and hopefully yourself and John can, can come to some arrangement and we'll have you all back together again next week. Anyway, so <laughs> thanks very much for watching, guys. If you, if, you, if you enjoyed what you're watching, even if you don't, just to spite everyone else, give us a like and a subscribe. and re- it'll, 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 it'll really confuse your friends. Um, and thanks very much for watching and see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.